Welcome to But First People, a podcast on the incredible diversity of the world of work, brought to you by Pride Global. I'm your host, Kamala Forbes, and for this upcoming Women's History Month, I had the pleasure of speaking with Brooke Foley, CEO of Jane Agency. Jane Agency is a WeBank certified creative consultancy known for its expertise in brand strategy, ESG, supply chain diversity, and advocacy for women in leadership in diverse businesses and Fortune 100 companies. Brooke is a 2020 Enterprising Woman of the Year winner, a 2022 100 Women to Know awardee, and a regular publisher for MBE Magazine, BUSA Magazine, Inside Charity, and more. And of course, not to mention, she was a Pride Global 2022 Trailblazing Woman Award recipient. She's also the founder of It's Not Just Dinner, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to helping diverse-owned businesses leverage certification through mentorship, education, and connections. Today, she's here to share info with us about how we can leverage relationships, support and empower women, and create personal and professional brands that will take your business and careers to the next level. Hello, Brooke, and welcome to But First People. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I know. I'm just thinking about as we getting ready to kick off Women's History Month, to have such an amazing guest who's so all about women. But before we get started, Brooke, you may or may not know that every guest we have on the show, we ask them to sing for us. So I'm going to toss you into the fire here and ask you, what song are you going to sing for us today? I brought you today. I feel like I'm at, at, at school with the sharing, you know, sharing hour. <laughs> I brought you the duck song. All right. <laughs> so this is a song that um, kicked off like digital life within my house, within my kids. And we must have listened to it like thousands of times and no one could stop singing it. And my my kids will want to strangle me for doing this. But OK, so here we go. A duck walked up to the lemonade stand and he said to the man running the stand, hey, got any grapes and the man said no we just sell lemonade but it's cold and it's fresh and it's all homemade can i get you a glass the duck said i'll pass and then he waddled away waddle waddle he waddled away waddle waddle till the very next day and the man just stopped and he started to smile he started to laugh and he laughed for a while he said come on duck let's walk to the store I'll buy you some grapes so you don't have to ask anymore. So they walked to the store and the man bought him some grapes and he gave one to the duck. And the duck said, mm, no, thanks. But you know what sounds good? It would make my day. Do you think the store, do you think the store has any lemonade? And then he waddled away, waddle, waddle. And then he waddled away, waddle, waddle. <laughs> Wow, I've never heard that before, but what a great song. <laughs> and and you couldn't pick a more fitting song if you claimed that you can't sing, because that wasn't so bad, Brooke. <laughs> it had a lot of talking parts. <laughs> right. And the moral of the story is... Know your promise and stand your position. <laughs> there you go. And I think that's a great fitting way for us to jump into this podcast and talk about women and how we stay the course and that's what's needed for us to achieve success. And so with that, I would love to ask you, is there a woman in your life who has been a role model for you or whom you admire or maybe some historical figure that you would like to shed some light on? It's so interesting you asked that because I have been going pretty hard and pretty fast in terms of trying to create spaces where women could come into their own. 
Cause that was very, very hard for me. And there's a couple podcasts out there where I talk about that and I'm pretty open about it. And I was open when it was happening. And I recently just got introduced to Edie Frazier and she is one of the women who over time I've kind of watched from afar and everyone would say you need to meet and, but she's doing so much to bring women and the, the ways in which they've created spaces together inside of something called the women's business collaborative. And I recently just got introduced to her and it was like, I was like, will you be my mentor? <laughs> because she was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be you. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I, I really haven't had that. Um, I was just kind of out there for a while on my own. And as women have started to find each other and demonstrate large, broad stroke impact for other women, I think there's there's starting to be a convergence of like, you know, individual strengths uh, coming together. And so that was very, very, very um, enlightening and powerful. I think that's such an amazing thing that you look for a mentor to mentor you in something that you seem to be doing so well already. But it just speaks to the power of women supporting women and also never being too old to learn anything, not thinking that you know everything already, but building that network of support around you. And I think that's super important. You touched on, you know, mentorship. And it's something that I think this world just can't move without. Um, but to that point, last year, we honored you as a trailblazing woman for your efforts in supporting and mentoring and connecting women-owned businesses, as well as for helping women build their personal and professional brands. With all the work you have on your own plate as a certified women-owned business, tell us, what is it that drives your passion for helping women in so many different capacities? I guess, in other words, what's your why? So... I grew up inside of a family business and inside of two. And as you know, life would have had it decades ago, I was never seen as the rightful next heir for that. There was grandsons on both sides and and I just wasn't going to be it, right? And and that that combined with uh, a father and a mother who always said to me, you know, do something you love. Well, doing something you love is amazing until you find out you can't do it because there just aren't pathways for you. So one of my first sort of strikingly unexpected pathways was when I wanted to go into computer science engineering, engineering at the time when I was transitioning from high school to college. And that just wasn't the programs that I looked into and the support structure I had just really, it was like a brick wall for women at that time. You just weren't involved. And even though there were women involved behind the scenes, my community, my culture, my pathways were very redirecting on that. Now, I'm grateful for the path that I have, and I've never looked back. But it was that feeling tied with like, well, I'm not going to be the right person to lead a family business. And I'm certainly not going to be the right person to go and follow my dad's footsteps in computer science engineering. And to kind of go find my own road. And then, and and I still, pers I still persevered, right? I still went forward. I still found joy and I still was very ambitious and able to do that. But because I was female, all around me were signs and signals that I wasn't doing what I should be doing. I should be home. I should be having kids. I should be getting married. And and that led me into a space that really um, changed the direction and course of my life. And as I did have children and remained in the workforce because the path everybody told me I should take didn't work out the way they predicted, now here I am supporting my children and supporting myself. And the career path was just, 
it was trailblazing in its own way. And at the same time, it was just, there were just barriers. There were places and spaces that I wasn't invited into or couldn't go into or didn't have the voice I was, you know, entitled to if I was male. And so I had that voice anyway. So I was seen as a a rebel or difficult or um, a lot to manage. I think one of the comments I got in one of my reviews was that I could drive people to break glass. Break the glass ceiling. (laughs) Right, exactly. I'll break glass. Let's, Let's sit down and talk about what glass I'm going to break before I break it, right? But um, it was really hard. And as I built out Jane, one of the the ways that we redirected the company was inside the small business space. And we really saw that there was an absolute inequity across all diversity when it came to understanding how to have voice as a female within your own business, within your own community culture, to be able to have the success that you are rightfully on a path for. You know, if you take the origin story and you tie it to where someone is now, the compelling momentum gets clipped for someone. And that's a shame for all of us. Right. And so that's where my passion comes from is I think I don't I don't ever I don't ever want to tolerate somebody else having to have those barriers. And I know that I can't stop them all. But if we could just change one woman's trajectory, she can change another five. That's the power of um, each one teach one. Yes. Well, uh, you know, to that point, I think that's one of the great things about um, certification. Uh, you're a certified WBE. And while I'm using that jargon, can you tell us what that means and what's the process of getting certified? So certification means that an organization that's representing um, the, the actual qualifications that the government sees as valid um, match. And it, it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a seemingly simple thing, but if you're if you're a woman-owned business or a minority-owned business or veteran-owned business or you know differently abled, the ability to qualify and demonstrate that you do have those I call them advantages. Everybody else refers to them oftentimes as disadvantaged businesses, but I think that they're the gifts that drive us to the greater heights. Ooh, I love that perspective. <laughs> yeah, um, that qualification is very technical, and it's it's not a it's not subjective, it's objective. And the process of being certified is you providing the documentation and then a representative from that certifying body coming back and saying, yes, this is qualified um, for the certification. And then the certification itself enables the quote unquote disadvantaged, what I call them advantaged businesses to have different set-asides inside of government and privately owned contracts. Great. So, okay. So you say, okay, I'm a woman, I own this business, or I own 51% of this business, I'm going to apply, get certified. That's great. But then why would I want to do that? What are some of the benefits of getting that certification? So you get this, you get the certification and you're like, well, what do I do with it now? And so you can go out and you can pitch things and you can get involved in, you know, you can get on some lists for government agencies and you can find your way, but there's also conferences and events, right, that you and I both go to, and we love those. Um, But the passion or the why for me, which I've seen you and Pride Global and some other really phenomenal businesses support is really teaching what do you really do with that certification now? And and it's an aspect of, um, of using that certification and that focus to find common interests with other like-minded businesses. And they might not be in your industry and they may not be even in your traditional realm, 
but you're able to find like-minded business owners and people who think about give back the same way that are raising their children the same way that might live in the same area as you. And now you're building relationships with people based on a, a element of uh, authenticity. And now you're able to help each other's businesses. It's not so much that I'm going to give you a contract, but it's that I know you, I know it's healthy for you. I understand your position. I understand your promise. And so now I can introduce you to someone that's going to be healthy for you and you're going to be healthy for them. And so it actually really stabilizes networking in a very healthy way. So one of the ways that we talk about leveraging certification is knowing who your community is going to be. The other one is getting involved in areas and spaces of mentorship that's that's put aside for the certification. Uh, and then the third is opportunity. So the ability to connect with and, and build uh, a dialogue with someone who might be overseeing a contract or an opportunity that you want. Um, but there isn't one silver bullet. It's kind of like a silver buckshot situation, right? You want to participate in the community. You want to take advantage of the mentorship. You want to find your authentic story. You want to own your origin story and, and, and what it is that got you to where you are so you can really defend your position promise. And you want to do that same introduction with the same kind of consciousness for the others that you're meeting as well. I love that. And, and the good thing about that, Brooke, is that there's so many companies now that are that have supply diversity programs. I mean, obviously, all of the major Fortune 500 uh, companies have had them for years and have world-class programs, but there are smaller companies now that are starting programs as well. And so I feel like, you know, I know we started ours about a year and a half ago when I joined, and I'm so happy to we do a lot of work to try to encourage others, you know, other medium-sized firms to get started on their journey as well, because that that's really what it's going to take for all of us to kind of hold hands, bring each other along on this journey, and give those opportunity to the women-owned or other advantaged businesses, as you like to refer to them as. So that's wonderful. And, you know, the thing that I love to say at any, I end any of my speaking engagements with this message, and that message is, when we achieve success, we should always send the elevator back down. And you're a great example of someone who does just that. You've started a nonprofit. It's not just dinner with several other WBEs. So tell us a little more about that. So I think this is also a great way of highlighting your personal brand and commitment to supplier diversity. Five of us got together over a period of time and determined that part of what was painful for us was being able to leverage certification. We didn't know how. We didn't know who, we didn't know where, we didn't know what. And it wasn't that the, the certifying bodies weren't doing what they needed to be doing. It was that it was on each of us to figure out how do we bring business in using the certification? That is the trueness of leverage, right? So it's not on WeBank to help me figure out how to bring the right business into my company. WeBank's you know, value is creating these spaces where I can go and find that business but it's my job to be able to curate it. And so the five of us, um, we we didn't really map ideally to the conference, trade show floor, gala notion. And so from a social standpoint, we liked having dinner with each other. <laughs> we were a mix of introverts and extroverts, but at the end of the day, we really, we really enjoyed growing each other and, and having some deeper conversations. And so we were doing that at dinner and our clients were joining us and we were introducing people and we were seeing that our clients were doing business with each other and we saw that WBEs were doing business with WBEs and MBEs were getting involved and we had now we had a mix of diverse certification happening. 
And it started to be that we would do these dinners just quietly off to the side at every conference. And it was it was really joyous. Um, and then the pandemic hit and we went from, you know, dining just 15 of us to at one point, I think, and you were involved in the Sioux, we were we had somewhere around 120 people that were going to be coming to a dinner. And what we had learned over time was that in order to create an environment where we all five still felt comfortable, we would sit and talk to the WBEs before they entered the room. And we had this no sell allowed component, which took so much pressure off of everyone. And we would say to the WBEs and the MBEs that were coming into that room, just just watch the the seasoned WBEs and MBEs and watch how they watch how they communicate and interact and network. And you'll see that the sell isn't necessary when you're in the right environment and you are prepared the right way. And we would watch and, and somewhere around like the second or third course all the time, you would start to hear someone say, I know there's no sell allowed, but like, do you mind if I ask you about this? Because I think I, I might have an opportunity for you. And that's when authentic networking is really taking root. And so what we saw was it was really lifting people up and we saw some really intense contracts come out and we didn't really want to be respond. We didn't want to be moving in on like the the certification body's responsibilities. We didn't want to be tracking, you know, the contract rates and things like that. But what we did want to do was demonstrate impact. And so we created a 501c3 and um, we created the It's Not Just Dinner Scholarship Fund for first time conference attendees and first-time certification fees. And you were an awesome part of that. Um, and it really accelerated during the pandemic when we had to go virtual and we would see somewhere between 80 to 100 people show up on these video calls. And for some people, it was a real lifeline. And we started to realize the relationships that came out of that were lasting. You know, they were real. And so this notion of creating, whether it's virtual or in real life, these safe spaces for people to relate and connect and unwind and rejuvenate was very, very valuable. The act of creating the scholarship fund had an impact, which we completely did not anticipate. Um, the The financial value of the scholarship's great, but what we're finding is we're, we're seeing that RPOs really like reach out and refer people to us more for the trade show prep and the, the trade show floor mentorship and the ability to get someone from I've never been to the conference into and it's not just dinner where they walk out and they have somewhere between 30 to 50 contacts. They're able to go on the trade show floor and they're they're ready like they're they're not wondering or wandering. They know where they're going. And so that's the premise behind the 501c3. I love everything that you just said. And, and that's what makes me so proud to be an advisory board member to the It's Not Just in a, um organization. I mean, you, you touch on such great key points, right? You don't have to physically sell. There's nothing worse than, you know, somebody trying to grab a drink at a cocktail event and somebody coming up with a pitch deck. You're just like, now is not the time, right? People do business with people they love they like to work with. And so if you just take that moment to get to know somebody on a personal level, the business will follow. And I love that's what It's Not Dinner is all about and helps to guide people along that vein to help them get to the end point without doing things the wrong way along the journey. So um, really impactful work that you and the other co-founders are doing and bringing myself and several other amazing board members on to help us all achieve, you know, the end goal of Medic, which is mentorship, education, diversity, inclusion, and certification. 
And so it's such a great focus. And I know all of the women that have gone through the program already that have won scholarships um, have benefited tremendously for it. And uh, thanks to you for being one of the women that spearhead that. So not only are you spearheading, it's not just dinner, but you're spearheading Jane Agency, an amazing agency that's all about helping businesses achieve dependable, repeatable, and scalable revenue. Now, Brooke, I'm not asking you to give away your secret sauce here, but maybe you could just give us one tiny little takeaway that you could share with our listeners about how they can achieve this goal. Um, the, the beauty of what we have built at Gene Agency, and I say we because it really isn't only me. They're, the team is phenomenal. I, I feel so blessed all the time, and I'm, I'm grateful that they still let me work there sometimes. <laughs> but there's nothing secret sauce about it. It's actually, we've, you know, we've really shared it out with the world, and we're very open about it. And the place where it dovetails in with it's not just dinner so well is that our primary focus is really just regrounding businesses, products, people, families, individuals with their worth. And so when you think about the origin story, the place in which the value of what the company provides started, that is the inherent basis of the brand. And so when you when you dig back into that and you you're able to say, oh, this is what that origin this is where it started. This is what it's about. You can fundamentally see that in the business today and the ability to start talking about that and use that to reground yourself is typically where we see some of the most powerful positionings happening. So, you know, the methodology, we've put that out into the world. It's the digging in and peeling away the onion and creating the alignment that is, you know, oftentimes where people will come to Jane and say, look, I've, I've tried the DIY part of it. Um, we're, we're ready to engage. We want you to take us and a team through it. Or we just did a phenomenal one the other day. I'm, I'm still kind of glowing from it where it was a solopreneur moment. Um, she has a company and she has a bunch of people that work with her, but she chose to do it on her own. And as she just cracked through each of the 10 assets, um, her world started to make sense in terms of what she always knew things to be. And the clarity that she had at the end, like you could see, we weren't even done with the platform and you could see she was changing the way she was approaching business development, who she recruited, how she went to market, her messaging. She even changed, we watched her changes, even talking to us like in the call, she started using language appropriately and refining it. And so that that ability to go through and crack to that origin story, you know, if there's one thing you want to try and do on your own, it would be to really dig into that origin of, what was the first time something really meant something to you? And then you, you, the brand itself just builds forward. Oh, I love that. It's, it's really just a key part right there. It's all about storytelling. You, you find your authenticity and you share that story and it definitely connects with your customers and clients. So that's why you're the branding expert, Brooke. So what advice would you give to our female listeners on how to build their personal brand? So professional brand and personal brand are are distinct. They're different. And a lot of times what happens is we build, especially in minority and women-owned businesses, we're building them both at the same time. And there comes a point where one is pulling harder or pushing harder on the other. And if if we're aware of it, we can start to build them separately. Uh, but you'll see often that women-owned, minority-owned businesses will um, there's a throughput between what, what the origin story of the CEO is 
and to the, the end promise, the one that is of value, not commodity, but of value to her individually. And that's a lot of the work that we do. And I think that's why we do so much work with minority owned businesses that are female oriented, because the ability to create a confidence and to, to empower someone around their own origin story without bias, without discrimination, without diversion, without muddling it, right? But owning it in its full on full force and unleashing it, which is a large part of what we work really hard on with our, our brand owners. Um, that is one of the most fueling and healthy things that I've ever gotten to be a part of. Getting to the point of why it wasn't unleashed or why it was suppressed is really the dark underbelly of the supplier diversity and the diverse overall tension that we see out in the world today. While that's true, like you said, for somebody that owns a business and having their personal and professional brand um, distinct, what about just any woman, like any professional woman or, you know, whatever you're doing in your life, there's still an opportunity for you to build your own personal brand, correct? And the beauty of that is whether you're in career ascension or you're in ownership of a company, the act of building the personal brand is the same. And it's ironically the same thing as building a company brand. It's the same 10 assets. What you do with it and how you think about it and how you leverage it is a little different. And when we work with people inside of the personal brand space, there's two routes they can go. It's either pushing career ascension and company growth, or they're pushing out for celebrity, which is typically what we'll see when someone's ready to leave a company that they've been working for over time and have built an area of expertise, or it's when somebody is pushing celebrity, uh, celebrity branding because they're going to be separating out from the company or allowing the company to grow in a direction that they might fuel from a different point or different perspective. Um, and so that that process, it's the same 10 assets. It's you know goals, barriers, objectives, strategies, audience, insight, position, promise, tone, and personality. We're all personal brands, right? And when you break that down and you, you take the background and you push that through all of those assets is when you're starting to develop the personal brand. But the personal brand itself is actually made up of two different components. It's hard power and soft power and hard power. And that, that's soft power is different than soft skills. And I want to be very careful about that because there's a lot of debates about soft skills. But hard power is granted to you, whereas soft power is something you earn and um, you have accomplished. And so hard power is like, this is your title, this is your role, this is your responsibility, your salary, you get this parking spot, this package, or you don't, right? And then soft power is your integrity, the ethics, your your personal vision, mission, and values, and how you deliver on that, and, and the integrity in which you operate. Um, it's your inclusiveness versus your exclusiveness. It's all those things that build up whether or not people will lead willingly, follow willingly with you versus not. And there's nothing an HR department can do to say that that could or couldn't happen. And so those are more in the, the soft power spaces. And so sometimes um, the personal brand really starts to hone in on and highlight some of the accomplishments that get underplayed, especially in the minority women-owned space, especially in minority um, women-owned career ascension. What we find is that there's really deep, rich accomplishment there that doesn't get elevated or embraced. And when we start to highlight it and, and, and allow it to shine, you start to see that that's where the careers really start to have momentum and catapult. Uh -huh. 
Well, I love that. I love that hard power and soft power. And clearly, you have a lot of the soft power. <laughs> because based on the impact you've made over the years, working at several creative agencies and helping women bring, build hundreds of brands, and not just women, but then building your own brand, and now you're sending that elevator back down to help other women and minority-owned companies build theirs. So, Brooke, my last question to you is, what do you want your legacy to be? I want to change the way women think about creating impact overall. There's so much more we can do. And I'm going to take a second to touch on a topic that may may not be so comfortable for everyone. But as you look out on what's happening in social and you pay attention to what's happening in the news, there's these pendulum swings happening. And what we're seeing is that diversity and inclusion having tension with supplier diversity, or we're seeing that men versus women or black women versus white women. And at the end of the day, it is all about accelerating the best for the good of the whole. And what happens in my observation in the hours and hours of research that we've done inside of women and minority owned and men owned businesses is that there's just, there's a very large inequity in terms of being able to empower and unleash at the beginning of women owning their business, especially in the minority space. And so when you take all of these tensions that are going on, if we just allowed people to come into and encourage and provided. And so um, one of the things that has really been weighing on me, and I don't have a solution for it, um, is that there's no, there, there really isn't a good moment in time where anyone succeeds by excluding anyone. And so it's how do we filter in all the good and make sure that the good people are able to have access to the good knowledge, the good opportunity, the good mojo. And I'm hesitant about what I'm about to say, but it isn't about excluding men. There are men who have huge contribution to the success of very powerful women. And I myself have been poured into by both really wonderful men and really wonderful women. And I have been held back by really awful men and really awful women. And I would say that like, it's a 50-50, right? It's not, it hasn't been like one was worse than the other. But what I had to learn was to tease the unhealthy people, regardless of gender, race, anything, out of my realm and make sure that I nurtured the ones that were healthy. And so I watch a lot of the discourse going on right now. And it's almost like it's leading us to places where um, a different kind of hurt is about to happen. And the hurt is, I, my fear is that the hurt is going to happen to the good people. They're still in need of that equitable space. And if if we're off distracted by conversations that are now just in another place that's unhealthy, we're still not feeding that space of opportunity for people. And it it's hard for me to watch some of the fantastic opportunities that I know women could benefit from being excommunicated because of gender. Well, Brooke, you said you don't have a solution, but I say you don't have a solution yet. <laughs> I know the work you do and the impact you make and the way you give back to women and your community, there'll be a solution coming and that will be a legacy. And I can't wait to be a part of that journey with you and watch, you, watch it unfold. So thank you so much for being our guest here today. I applaud you for all of the work that you do to support, motivate, advocate, sponsor women. And um, you're definitely one of my role models and somebody that I would love to celebrate this Women's History Month. Well, I am mutual and kind, so let's do that together. 
Wait, I think we're going to. <laughs> <laughs> we sure will. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thanks again, Brooke, for coming on air with me today. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. To learn more about Pride Global, please check out our website at prideglobal.com. If you have any questions for Brooke or me, please email us at butfirstpeople at prideglobal.com. And of course, don't forget to like, share, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.